Welcome to our service of worship here at First Church of New Knoxville. We're so glad that you decided to join us and worship with us this morning. So welcome to those of you who are in the sanctuary, as well as those listening on T102 and watching online. 
Uh, we're going to save announcements for a later point in the service, so I, I invite you to continue in a spirit of worship by standing with me for our call to worship, which comes from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. I invite you to remain standing with us as we sing hymn number 220, He Lives. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing. 
Christmas chat with Pastor Tori, we invite you to take a moment and greet your neighbor. good that was pretty good okay so I have a question for you who here likes to read you don't like reading okay so what books do you like to read fiction books historic fiction wow what else what do you like to read a lot of books fiction books picture books those are my favorite those are easy to read right <laughs> who else likes to read? Do you like to read? Yeah? Awesome. Okay, so um, books are filled with lots of really cool stories, right? And they can kind of take us to a whole new place because we can think about what the characters are doing and all of those different things. And they can teach us a lot of lessons, right? When I was younger, I really liked to read Nancy Drew books. I like mysteries. They're really good, aren't they? Um, But, you know, none of the chapter books or the picture books that I read when I was younger, none of those really changed my life. But one book has changed my life. Can anyone guess what book that is? The Bible. The Bible changes our life, right? Because the Bible is God's word. And so every time we read it, God speaks to us, right? And the words in here... God uses to comfort us, to instruct us, to teach us. And unlike many many stories that we read, uh, the Bible is 100% true. So everything in here actually happened. The people were real people, and we can learn a lot about them. Does anybody know how many books are in here? A lot. What do you think? A thousand? No, a little bit less than a thousand. So there are 66 books total in the Bible. Okay, so there's 39 books in the Old Testament, and there's 27 books in the New Testament. And even though there's so many books, it all tells one big story. And who does the Bible talk about? Jesus, right? The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament talks about his life and his death and resurrection and his second coming, right? And so everything in here points to Jesus and what God did through Jesus for us. So every time we read it, God's speaking to us. Do you guys read your Bibles? You do? You don't have one? Well, I think that's going to change today. Um, But so this week I have a challenge for you. I want you, even if you can't read, you can ask your mom and dad to help you. I want you guys to spend 10 minutes reading the Bible, okay? Now, sometimes this can be a little bit challenging to read because there's some big words, but like I said, your parents would be more than happy to help you read the Bible every day. So 
10 minutes a day for the next seven days until next Sunday, okay? And then if you keep going after that, that's really awesome too. Uh, But can we all agree to doing 10 minutes a day with our parents? Awesome, because you know what? The more time we spend in this, the more it changes our life because God's word changes us and it teaches us about him and what it looks like to live in relationship with him. So let's say a prayer and then second graders, I need you to stay up here with me, okay? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, you are so gracious and you gave us these words on the pages in scripture to teach us, Lord, to show us who you are and how to have a relationship with you and live for you every single day. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to dive into your word and to learn from it, Lord. And when we do, we trust that you are speaking to us all the time. We love you and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Amen. All right, second graders, stay up here. Go back to your parents. All right, you guys can come over here. Just stand in a little line. Okay, so today is kind of special. What do you guys get today? A Bible. That's really exciting, isn't it? You guys going to read that Bible? Yeah, we hope so. So getting a Bible is exciting. And I remember when I got my first Bible and I took that thing and I went through it and I highlighted it. I wrote in it all of those different things because the Bible is not like a library book. You can write in it. You could draw in it. You can underline, do anything you want. And Mrs. Lammers is really, really awesome. She even helped us out and she put little tabs in your Bibles to help you find the books a lot easier. So it's not like a normal book. And every time you read it, just like we talked about, God, God speaks to us. And so this week, you know, I just challenged you guys to read the Bible for 10 minutes a day. Well, guess what? You guys now have Bibles to do that with. That's really exciting. So our hope is that as you spend time in God's word, that you guys will grow in your love and in your relationship with him. Because reading scripture helps us to do that. So we're going to give you your Bibles now. Yep. So I'm going to call off your name because each one is personalized for you guys, too. There's some couple notes in the front, and I think Tori even has a scripture passage highlighted for you guys somewhere in the Bible. So when you get it, you can read that note, and she's gonna, she has a note in there encouraging you to find that Bible verse, see if you can find it. So, so Luke, this one is for you. Oh, I guess you're right there. I can just hand that off. All right. This one is Tucker. This one's for Raylan. Oh, wait, oh, Luke, stay up here. Luke, don't run away. <laughs> stay up here. Raylan, that one's for you. Uh, Josephine, that one is for you. Joe. We have one for Andrew. And last but not least, we got one for Bryson. There you go. So, you guys, we want you to keep those Bibles. Obviously, bring them to Sunday school class with you. Um, today's promotion Sunday, so the reason we do this is because these six are are being promoted from their kindergarten or first grade class up to the new second and third grade class. And so um, those Bibles are going to come in handy for you guys in Sunday school and at home, as Pastor Tori was just talking about. And our prayer for you is that you guys use those, you read them, and, and you make them your own so that you can learn all about God's love for you in Christ and all that he did for that. Um, so also, I'm going to pray for you guys in just a moment. 
but I also want to take this opportunity to pray for all of our Sunday school teachers. So if you're a Sunday school teacher or helper, or you're in any way related to the Sunday school department, um, are you, I invite you to stand at this moment because we want to pray for you as well. Awesome. Thank you guys for your commitment and your service and and pouring into uh, these young people um, because what you do is so important and we're so grateful for you and all of your work as well. So we want to pray for these students and receiving Bibles today, but we also want to pray for you too. So I invite you all to pray with me at this time. Father God, I thank you for these students and I thank you for the opportunity we have as a church to recognize their their promotion to a new Sunday school class uh, and, and able to give them this Bible. Uh, Father, your, your word is so important and so, uh, so helpful to us in our lives. And so I pray that these students and everybody in the Sunday school department, Lord, all of us here gathered today, together today, recognizes how important your word is and how it reveals your goodness, your faithfulness, your character to us and all that you've done to save us uh, through your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, we also want to pray for our Sunday school teachers and leaders and helpers. We thank you for their commitment, Lord, to teaching these young kids all about you. And so we pray for a special blessing on them as well as they begin a new Sunday school year today. And we ask that you would equip them, Lord, to, to disciple these kids and help them to learn all about you. Uh, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Congratulations, guys. You guys can head back to your seats. All right. Uh, We are going to go ahead and collect the offering at this point in the service, and I'm going to share some of those announcements that I skipped over uh, while the offering is being collected. So I do want to invite the deacons to come forward and collect the offering. Uh, So helping helping do what we just talked about here, helping train and disciple our kids to know the Lord. And so your offering today will go to help support that. There is a rose on the altar this morning also. It's in honor of Terry and Sally Wisman, who are celebrating 54 years of marriage on September 14th. Happy anniversary to them. We also want to send, say congratulations to Kenzie Schreer and Logan Leffel, who were united in Christian marriage yesterday. Kenzie is the daughter of Kyle and Krista Schreer, and Logan is the son of Keith and Susan Leffel. As, I, as we just talked about, uh, the Sunday school year does begin today. So if you are a, um, if you have a children in the Sunday school program, uh, that will be taking place right after the service here today. Our Sunday school goes from 10:15 to 11:15 in the morning. Um, so confirmation also begins today, and they will be meeting in the youth room in the ministry center. There is an adult Bible study that will begin next week, and I encourage you to stick around for that, led by Aaron Rohrbaugh. So if you're interested in being a part of that, it is not meeting today, but will begin meeting next Sunday during the Sunday school hour. Next week is also the praise and prayer night, 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary. So I invite you to come and participate in that, led by our praise team. Um, so it's going to be another night of, of praise, of prayer. Of, of worshiping the Lord together. And so I encourage you to join us next Sunday, September 18th uh, at seven o'clock here in the sanctuary. We're also updating the funeral lunch list. Uh, so if your phone number has changed or if you'd like to add your name or delete it, hopefully you don't want to delete it, but if you'd uh, like need to update your information or would like to help out in that ministry, we encourage you to fill out a slip. There are some at the info center and there's a basket you can drop that slip in and we're going to try to update that. Keep that list as up to date as possible. And again, thank you for everyone who helps serve in that ministry. It is such an important one as well. 
Um, so this time, let me offer up a, a prayer of thanksgiving for this, uh, as, and then we will uh, we'll continue in our worship together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this offering that was collected this morning. And we praise you, Lord, uh, for the ability that we have to give back to you and to see your, uh, see your kingdom advanced and, and your will being done. And so we, we thank you for this offering that was just collected and pray that you would bless it now and further the work of your kingdom in this church. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. song, Revelation song.
you to pray with me. Father, we come before you this morning and we do lift your name up on high because you are worthy of all of our worship, all of our praise, all the honor and glory we could possibly give you, Lord. It belongs to you. And so we serve our worship, our praise, and our whole selves to you, Lord, because you are worthy of it all. Lord Jesus, you are worthy because you laid down your life for us. You died on the cross and you rose again to defeat sin and death in the grave. That you opened eternal life to all who trust and believe in you. And so we say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. The one who is, who is slain and is a living again and reigns with the Father and the Spirit eternally. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are present with your people. We thank you that you move in our hearts and minds to help us to understand God's word, to help us have a relationship with God. And so we praise you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work you do in our own lives. And we pray that you continue to move in and through us, Lord. And, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would soften the hearts and minds of those who are here this morning, who are listening in on the radio or watching online, that you would move in our hearts and minds to help us understand you better and know you more. Father, we thank you again for the Sunday school program and the, the, the Bibles we were able to give out to the new second graders, the offering that was collected here this morning, and for, for a new year that begins today. We just pray that you, would, uh, that you would be glorified in and through our Sunday school program and that you would use the, the teachers and the helpers and the leaders in there, Lord, to, to disciple these children, to know you, to love you, and to serve you with their whole lives. And so we ask, Lord, um, also that you would be with those who are in need today, the names and, and the situations that are represented in the prayers and concerns list. Lord, you know what is needed. You 
are fully aware of every human need. And so we ask that you would work according to your will and by your power, Lord, uh, to, to bring your will to those situations. Um, so those that are in need of healing, we pray for healing. Those that are in need of provision, we pray that you would provide. And Lord, in all ways that we as your people can, can be an answer to prayer, we ask that you would use us for that. Equip us and empower us to be the answer to prayer that you desire, Lord. So help us to be your hands and feet in this world, in this church, in this community, and around the world, Lord. We thank you for all these things and pray them in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And you may be seated. The scripture reading today comes from Revelations chapter 1. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in this suffering and kingdom and patient endurance, that are in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Theatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze and glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sounds of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. 
and I hold the keys of death of Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Anita. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that we get to hear your word read once again this morning. We thank you for uh, the power it has in our lives to to help us to know you and, and understand you better and the way it can transform our lives to help us become more like you. So I ask, Lord, that you would help us to understand uh, the, this passage here this morning. May your Holy Spirit work in our hearts and minds, and may you, Lord God, give me words to speak. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So thank you, Anita, again for reading this passage. It was a longer one than usual, uh, but so I appreciate you doing that. Um, if I had the opportunity this morning to read from more of Revelation, I would because uh, because there's so much that we're going to be drawing from here today. But it was good that we heard from Revelation one, and even though it was a longer passage, it's important for us to hear it read in context and take time to hear God's word read out loud for us. And so thank you for doing that and. And we look forward to hearing what God has in store for us today out of this passage and some others that we'll look at. But I want to take a moment before we jump right into Revelation and, and talk about what today is, right? Today's 9-11, you know, and, and for those of you who, were live, who lived through that, that was 21 years ago. Think about that for just a moment. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but 21 years ago today, 9-11 happened. And, and for those of you who recall that or lived and lived through that, it's a day that you'll never forget, right? I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when I heard the news. And I remember, you know, it was a beautiful Tuesday. I was living in Western New York at the time, very, very far away from New York City. But the fact that I was within that same state made it even more real for me and my family and my friends. Um, it's, it's a day that's just seared in the minds of many who lived through it. And like many other world-shaking events, 9-11 left people searching for answers. Church attendance skyrocketed after 9-11. That first Sunday, the pews were full. I mean, I wasn't here, obviously, at first church, but I know around the country, churches were just full because people wanted to know what was happening. They wanted to know how the events of that day impacted their lives and their faith. People entering the last days. And ultimately, the question when is Jesus coming back? So 9-11, like many other kind of world-shaking events, uh, often brings those questions to the surface. People that are people of faith, that believe, and people that are searching for answers, right? Maybe don't believe in Jesus, but, but times like that bring those questions to the surface. And those questions still linger today, 21 years later. They rise to the surface in difficult seasons like we've experienced over the past few years. Right, the pandemic, political unrest, economic uncertainty, war in Europe right, are all contributing factors. The prayer of many people who face hardship like that has been, come Lord Jesus, right? Come Lord Jesus. Now is a good time for you to come back, right? We often wonder what Jesus is doing during difficult times. We wonder what's taking him so long to come back. And as we close out our series today on who is Jesus, it's important for us to focus on what he's doing right now 
and what he will do in the future. And so days like today, we're reminded sometimes of those questions. And when we face maybe difficult seasons that are more personal in nature, we wonder those questions as well. What is Jesus doing? What's taking him so long? And when is he going to come back? So we're going to look at that uh, relatively briefly this morning. So it's important for us to get kind of a big idea of of where Revelation is going. Because if we're going to look in our Bibles about you know, what to expect when Jesus comes back. Revelation is a good starting point. Uh, the, the big idea of the book of Revelation as a whole is that God is in control and that you can trust him even in the face of persecution, in the face of economic hardship, in the face of political turmoil, because that's what those people were experiencing themselves when the letter was first written. The message of Revelation reminds us that God is sovereign over all things, which means that he is in complete and total control even when his people feel powerless. All earthly authority is subject to Jesus, right? He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? That's a, you see that throughout the book of Revelation. And it reminds us that know that, that he is in charge of all things. All earthly authority is subject to him. And so the goal of Revelation and, and our goal today is not to provide a timeline or a roadmap for the circumstances when Jesus comes back. Uh, that, is, that is not the goal of Revelation or really any other part of Scripture. Now, there are some maybe, uh, there are some things you read that might give clues or indications, but even Jesus himself said in the Gospels that, that the day and the hour of his return is, is not for us to know. That's only known by the Father in heaven. And so our goal as we look at what Jesus is doing, that he is the one who is to come. Our goal is not to try to put a timestamp on that or to try to decipher, you know, world events in order to come down to a certain day or time when Jesus returns. What we, what Revelation does and what our goal is today is to be reminded that God is sovereign, that he is in control and that Jesus will return one day. The details of when and how he returns are left purposefully vague, but the fact that he will return, the fact that Jesus is coming back is never in doubt. And so there's two ways I want us to look at this today. One is asking the question, what is Jesus doing right now, right? In between his time here on earth and his resurrection and his return. And then what will Jesus do when he comes back? So first of all, let's look at what he's doing now. And we see from this passage in Revelation that Jesus is resurrected in glory, that Jesus is alive and that he is uh, he is worthy of our worship and praise because of his glory. Now, look at the description that John uses to describe Jesus in this vision. Right. That's that's not uh, that's not the usual description we get of Jesus in the Gospels, is it? His appearance is has seemingly changed, right? And, and he's described in, in a way that seems very um, majestic. Maybe that's the right word, right? His, his face is shining. His eyes are like fire. His, his feet are like uh, glowing bronze, right? His hair is described as being white as wool, right? Jesus is, is being described in this way because John is trying to use, John is trying to use human language to help us understand Jesus' glory and his majesty in, in his resurrection. But human language is always going to fall short, right? 
we can't perfectly describe what Jesus looks like in his glory because there's no words to describe it. He is so glorious, so majestic, so beautiful, so powerful that words are always going to fall short. So John does his best to describe Jesus here, and that's what he's doing. He's trying to communicate just how glorious Jesus is. And so Jesus is resurrected in glory. He is seated at the right hand of his Father in heaven, and he is the living one. Right. A couple, a couple times here, Jesus is described as the one who is alive. He had died, but was raised to life and is currently the living one. It even says that he holds the keys to death and Hades, which means that death is under his dominion and under his control, that he has the power. He laid down his life and he took it up again in his resurrection. And so what is Jesus doing now? Well, he is, he is in heaven at the hand, right hand of the Father, and he is resurrected in glory. The second thing that Jesus is doing, or thing that we need to be reminded of, is that he is sovereign over all things. It says here in Revelation 1 that he is, um, that he is sovereign over all kingdoms, the kings of the earth, that he is sovereign even over death itself. Right? All authority in heaven and earth is subject to Jesus. In fact, at the end of Matthew's gospel, as he's giving final instructions to the disciples, that's exactly what he says. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says. And so he is in complete and total control. He is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Those are ways of saying that he is sovereign over all things, that he has no beginning or end, and that he will continue to rule through eternity. And we see, if we were to read on in the book of Revelation in chapters 4 and 5, we see that Jesus is described as the lamb who was slain. And the lamb receives power, receives authority from the Father because of his sacrifice and his resurrection. So Jesus is resurrected in glory. He is sovereign over all things. And the third thing that, that this passage from Revelation 1 reminds us of is that he is leading his church. When I say his church, I mean first church. I mean all churches, right? Jesus is the head of his church. It says that he is standing among the seven lampstands. Now, again, we, we saw in this passage and further on in chapters 2 and 3, we know those, lap, those lampstands represent God's churches. The seven churches specifically that, that he addresses in Revelation 2 and 3. But it's, it's symbolic of Jesus' presence among his people in his churches. And we know if you're reading on through chapters 2 and 3 that Jesus gives instructions to the churches. He, he corrects them, right? He encourages them. And he's doing all of those things because he is the head of the church. And we need to recognize that. We need to understand that for ourselves. What does that mean for us? It means that Jesus is the head of this church. And it means that he's the head of our own uh, individual lives as well. That he is the one who has authority and he is the one who deserves. Um, we, we are called to follow him in all things. So Jesus is resurrected in glory. He is sovereign over all things. He is leading his church. That's what Jesus is up to right now, right this very moment. He is doing those things. And he will continue to do those things when he returns. Well, that's an important thing for us to talk about here today as well. In Revelation 1, it reminds us that Jesus will come back. It says in verse 7, look, he is coming with the clouds, which is a reference to Daniel chapter 7, 
when uh, the Son of Man comes on the, on, on the clouds with the Ancient of Days. We know from other passages of Scripture that talk about when Jesus comes, it'll be like a, a thief in the night. It'll be a, a moment. It could happen any time now. So again, we're not, it's not about trying to determine when and where and how Jesus is going to come back. What Revelation and the rest of Scripture does is guarantees us that he will come back and that we better be ready for him when he does. But God is, is patient. In, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, it says that, that God is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness, but he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to eternal life. And so, again, we go back to that question, why is Jesus taking so long to come back? It's because he's patient with us. He's giving us every opportunity to, to trust in him and to return to him, to put aside our sinful ways and to trust in him as Lord and Savior. Because when he comes back, he's coming back for good. And, that's, and, and so let's take a few moments here and talk about what he's going to do when he does return. And so to, to understand that, we need to flip to the end of the book, looking at the end of Revelation. And again, we're not going to read through the chapters here today, but chapters 19, 20, 21, and 22 give us a picture of what Jesus will do when he returns. And there's three things for us to highlight. The first is in chapter 19, we're reminded that Jesus will return, and when he does, he will defeat sin, Satan, and death forever. Revelation 19 gives a description of this great battle, and Jesus is described as this heavenly warrior riding in on a white horse, and, and, uh, and his people are coming in behind him, and that he is going to confront the enemy. He's going to confront Satan and, and the false prophet and, and all of the kingdoms of the world gathered together against him. And Revelation 19 says that with the sword of his mouth, with his words, he will defeat them. Again, victory is guaranteed. It's not, it's not left up for chance. It's not left in doubt at all. Revelation 19 tell, paints a very clear picture that Jesus is victorious. And that when he returns, he will defeat sin, Satan, and death once and for all. Revelation 20 then goes on to describe the second thing Jesus will do when he returns. After he defeats the enemy, he will then judge the living and the dead. Chapter 20 describes this great throne judgment where all people will be brought before the throne and, and their fate will be decided. Those that have trusted in Christ, whose, whose name is in the Lamb's book of life, will be resurrected in glory and, and live with him forever in heaven, in the new heavens and the new earth. But all, all those who reject Christ, who do not trust him in Savior, will be, it's hard to talk about, isn't it? Those that are outside Christ, right? We know from Revelation, from, the, from Scripture, the testimony of Scripture, that all people will stand before the throne. And for those that are in the Lamb's book of life, it is the best day in the world, right? Because our sins have been, a, have been paid for. Everything has been achieved for us through Christ. And for those that are in Christ, that is a glorious and wonderful day. And it's a day that we can look forward to because we know guaranteed that our sins have been paid for through Christ. But for those that are outside of Christ, those that have rejected him, that is not going to be a good day because that means that they will along with satan along with the enemy 
they'll be resurrected not to eternal life, but to eternal damnation. And we don't want that for anyone. And so as we think about Christ's return, as we think about his judgment, it should motivate us then to share the good news, the hope that we have with others. Because we don't want them to experience that. That's the last thing we would want anyone to experience. And so we need to be willing to share that good news with others so that they can look forward to that day knowing that their name is in the Lamb's book of life as well. Because judgment, like I said, is a good thing for those that are in Christ. It means that all wrongs will be made right. Evil itself will be destroyed. Everything that is wrong and broken and out of place in this world will be made new. And that then is what the chapters 21 and 22 highlight for us. That Jesus is ushering in his kingdom. That after he defeats the enemy, after the great throne judgment, in Revelation 21 and 22, we get this picture of the new heavens and the new earth. Eden itself being restored. God dwelling with his people. It says that, you know, in, in chapter 22, it says that there is no sun um, because the Lord God gives off the light. But it's also, when it says, it's a reminder too that that is a never-ending day, right? When we go to be with him, when he returns and establishes his kingdom, that is going to last forever. Amazing Grace is one of my favorite hymns in that there's a, a verse in Amazing Grace that says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. I mean, think about that. 10,000 years and it's nothing compared to eternity. That's what we have to look forward to. So in closing, I want to just offer up just a few brief points of application here based on who Jesus is and, and what he's doing now and what he will do when he returns. First of all, Jesus deserves all of our worship. In Revelation 1, it says that when John saw Jesus, he fell down like a dead man, right? He didn't know it. He couldn't do anything else but just fall down. We are called to fall down before him. We are called to worship him with our entire lives. It also means that we need to put him first in all things, in the church, in our own individual lives, in our families. He is above all things. And then we need to be prepared for his return. Right? He is victorious. There is no doubt that he will return, that he will conquer the enemy, that he will judge righteously. And so we need to be ready for him when he returns. We need to receive God's grace before it's too late. God will punish sin accordingly. But for those that are in Christ, the punishment for sin has already been dealt out. That's why 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, that's our hope. That's our eternal hope. That as we fix our eyes on Jesus, on the inheritance that he gives us as children of God, we set our sights on him and live like he's coming back today. Right? We need to live like today could be our last day because it might be. We need to live like he is king because he is. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we have a chance to worship you and praise you together uh, because you certainly deserve it. You are resurrected in glory and you are seated at the right hand of your father and you will come one day to judge the living and the dead. Help us to be prepared for that when that day comes. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.
As we uh, prepare hearts for communion this morning, I invite you to stand with us if you're able, and we're going to sing hymn number 241, and we're going to sing verses 1 and 4. When we share communion together, it reminds us not just of the past, of what God has done for us in Christ, but it also reminds us of the future hope that we have. So as we reflect today on Jesus as the one who is to come, it's no better time to share communion together because it reminds us of the price that God paid, that Jesus paid for us on the cross. His body was broken, his blood was shed, that our sins would be forgiven. And so as we take these elements, we are, we are confronted with our need for a Savior. We're confronted with our own sin. And so it's an opportunity for us to confess and repent from our sin and to turn to Him. But it's also an opportunity for us to look forward into the future. Because of what God has done for us in the past, because of what He's continuing to do for us in the present, we know that we have a future with him to look forward to. And so as we take this bread and we take the cup, we're also reminded that one day we will be gathered together with all of God's people, with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit together as one, and we will share in the wedding supper of the Lamb. And so as we, as we take these elements, we're, we're reminded of our sin and our need to confess. And so we need to take an opportunity to do that. But we do it with thankfulness with gratitude that we will one day share in that wedding supper of the Lamb, that we will be with God and His people, and and there will be no end to that day. So I invite you to pray with me as we confess our sins and prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper and look forward to that day. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity we have now to take communion together. I pray, Lord, that you would hear us as we confess our sins We have done things and said things and thought things we should not have done, and we've left things undone that you've called us to do. And so hear us, Lord, as we confess our sin and our need for you. Father, we are so thankful. We are so thankful that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. We're thankful that you've given us your Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin. And we thank you, Lord, that through Christ, 
our sins are forgiven. And help us, Lord, also to look forward to that day that you will return and establish your kingdom here and that we will dwell with you and your people for all eternity. Remind us of that as well as we take communion together. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Paul says, I've received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you who have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, we invite you to come forward and take this sacrament to your comfort. Just a reminder for, for logistics sake, if you are unable to come forward for any reason, we have a couple elders that will come to you and deliver communion to you in the pews. For those of you who are able, we invite you to come forward at this time. Surrender. 
invite you to pray with me again. Father God, we are so grateful for this time we've had here this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your body and your blood, because it is with it is through your sacrifice that we are saved and we have eternal hope in you. So we pray now that you would fill us with your spirit, that we would go from this place to live for you and serve you in this world. And we pray that you would empower us and equip us to do so according to your will. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.